Treating Hamilton was awesome. I mean, to get to that point, you have to be talented. You have to be this triple threat these days. And so they have amazing voices, but their dancing is killer. And again, it goes back to that eight shows a week that they're required to do. And that's so hard on anybody. So a lot of it was the vocal fatigue. I had one of the Skylar sisters. She was having problems that she'd never had before. And she's a Tony winner. I mean, she's legit. And so turns out her corset and her like jacket was way too tight and it was restricting her diaphragm, it was restricting like shoulder movement. And so she was creating so much tension in her neck to produce sound. She couldn't utilize any other muscles. So we just had to go to wardrobe and loosen things up and she was fine. You're listening to All Things Vocal Podcast. I'm your host, Judy Rodman. Join me for game-changing vocal lessons and advice from creatives and voice industry insiders who share the secrets they've found for personal and career success. For this episode, I interview Gina Thurston, a physical therapist who specializes in working with the voice. Join us and be inspired to make your messages matter. Today, I'm really excited to introduce you to Gina Thurston, who is my guest. She is a PT or physical therapist, DPT, doctor of physical therapy, CIDN, certification in dry needling, who works with a unique mix of orthopedic manual therapy, myofascial release, dry needling, manual resisted exercise, cupping, and vocal massage. She works with a wide variety of patients, but has a special interest in singers and musicians with vocal tension. Having worked extensively with Broadway singers, including the cast of Hamilton, Nashville is very fortunate that Gina now practices as part of the Steve Kravitz Physical Therapy Team, and I think they're located in Green Hills, right? Yeah. Okay. Welcome to All Things Vocal, Gina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are the only one that I've ever let actually manipulate my throat. So <laughs> that's <laughs> that's how much I think of you. We don't usually hear about physical therapists with the voice, do we? No. So let's get right to the point. Why would a singer or speaker want to work with a physical therapist? Almost the same reason why any athlete would work with a physical therapist, just like everyone else, I call them the vocal athlete. And they're muscles that produce sound and produce you know, the function of the voice. And I really started seeing how almost as a preventative treatment, maintenance treatment, but also a treatment treatment, like kind of diagnosing and fixing the problem really kept people on the road, singing and, you know, recording an album, Uh easing their anxiety, just getting that hands-on treatment really benefited these people. And I kind of got into it just on my own. I, I really, like you said, I didn't know of a physical therapist or anybody working on the muscles. Mm-hmm. And I knew there's exercises and things like that, but I wanted a hands-on treatment. And so I kind of jumped right in. That's awesome. Wow. Tell us about your training that you went through to be able to do what you do. Tell us about NeuroTour and how you came up with what you were talking about, your kind of unique multiple therapeutic approach to working with uh, with patients that sing and speak. Yeah. So one of my first gigs with NeuroTour, which NeuroTour is this company that puts physical therapists in. I think um, they also do athletic trainers, but they'll put them on 
shows such as like Broadway or touring musical theater shows, concerts, TV film. They're doing a lot with Marvel right now. And so one of my first shows with them was called Newsies, which was a touring show. I was the only medical provider and taking care of these guys. I mean, it ranged from, I think we had little kids on there, but I didn't really do much with them, but we had kids from like 16 to 33 and then some older adults. And it was up to me to take care of their physical needs. And a lot of the seniors were having issues. I mean, they're performing eight shows a week and they were getting fatigued. They were having, you know, other issues that led to vocal problems. They were also having to dance. And I just started just working on their necks and kind of just feeling around. They were very comfortable with me. So they let me just kind of go in places through here that I've learned a lot of singers are little, like you said, it's Mm -hmm. a little jarring, but I just started doing stuff and found that it kept them in the shows. It kept them from, you know, having to call out of shows, having injuries. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Chicago where I worked with a bunch of different shows, including Hamilton. And there was a, a doctor there who specialized in voice, Dr. Sims. And he is the one that kind of really like took me under his wing a little bit and taught me a lot about the different like vocal issues you can have and worked with me and worked with my singers. And I really learned a ton there. And so just to kind of wrap it up, I started looking for courses because I was like, okay, I know what works for me and I know what I like to do, but I feel like I need some like technical training. Mm-hmm. And there's a physical therapist named Walt Fritz and he has courses for speech pathologists, vocal coaches, physical therapists, like really anybody. And I've taken all of his courses and just utilized kind of a mixture of what he's taught me and then what I've been doing. And it's been a nice treatment. Wow. I'd love to get that website. Yes, I'll send it to you. Okay, great. And I'll include it on the podcast notes, guys, for anybody that's interested. Okay, I can't not ask you. How was it to treat the people that in the cast of Hamilton? And actually, what kind of vocal issues, like why would you treat them? What what kind of vocal issues came up in the show? Yeah, treating Hamilton was awesome. I mean, to get to that point, you have to be talented. And a lot of the ensemble who I mainly treated, you have to be this triple threat these days. Yeah. So they have amazing voices, but they're their dancing is killer. And again, it goes back to that eight shows a week that they're required to do. And that's so hard on anybody. So a lot of it was the vocal fatigue. I had one of the Skylar sisters. She she was having problems that she'd never had before. And she's a Tony winner. I mean, she's legit. And so we were kind of looking at it more. Turns out to make a long story short, her corset and her like jacket was way too tight. And it was restricting her diaphragm. It was restricting like shoulder movement. And so she was creating so much tension in her neck to produce sound. She couldn't utilize any other muscles. So we just had to go to wardrobe and loosen things (laughs) up. And she was fine. So sometimes it's like a fluky thing like that. And sometimes it's an actual injury, a lot of jaw problems. I do a lot of like inner mouth and external jaw, soft tissue work. Yeah. I mean, I saw all kinds of stuff, but a lot of it was vocal fatigue and just the demands of the show and what that did on their vocals. 
You know, I have come to the conclusion that if we're really using great technique all the time, and if you prepare with enough rehearsal time to to build up the stamina, that you don't have to have vocal fatigue. But when the physical body starts to get tired, mm-hmm. that's what causes the collapse in the rib cage a little bit, which gives the diaphragm too much slack and allows too much air pressure, uh, sabotages mm-hmm. your control over breath. That's when vocal fatigue then sets in. So it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And I, I've become of the, the opinion anyway that it's the physical fatigue that creates the vocal fatigue. <laughs> That makes sense to you. Yeah, for a yeah, for a long distance runner, you know, one of the things you tell them is check your body. A lot of people want to tense their fists and you like tense their arches and their shoulders. That takes away from the power your body is able to put out with running and you know, using your legs. So I tell performers that wow. too. I'm like, if you're like tensing your arches or tensing your glutes or whatever it may be, you're just taking away from what this is able to do. So I always just have them kind of do a little scan, roll their shoulders, just try to like release and visualize just releasing everything in your body so that you're allowing this to be, you know, the main event. Yeah. Okay. And I want to ask you about that because I am always learning something new and I always want to learn something new. If you do even the right thing too strong, it's wrong, right? Yeah. If you freeze it, you lose it. If you do anything to the nth degree, you're usually going to have problems, which is why uh, Jeffrey Allen and other vocal coaches, including me, say never give 100% of the pressure. Always back the pressure off to like no more than 85 or 90%. And then make up with uh, passion, with the way you articulate it. So there's that. But what I find is that you're going to come from somewhere. You can't just relax everything and sing. Something's got to power it. So the compression engine, which is breath support and breath control, what I tell people to do is center it in the pelvic floor, like right at the tailbone. But if you overtense, that creeps up here, you know, creeps up higher. Can you tell me about how you think about that? Oh, that's, that's a great <laughs> one. And actually, I've never heard another vocal coach talk about the pelvic floor. That's kind of why I would have someone see me just even if it's one visit, because a lot of people's problem is they have too much tone in their pelvic floor, even sometimes their abdominals. So what that means is you're not able to get the full contraction and relaxation that you should have. Like there's a, a term called hypertonicity. So they don't release it. Yes. And so it stays in this contracted phase. And so if you're having the, you know, a problem really get in that full contraction, your homework may then be working on releasing. And that's, there's some tactile cueing involved with that. I, I like to get my hands on people being PT, obviously, and the verbal cueing. And once they can kind of find it, because a lot of people can't even find their pelvic floor. And so that requires some work, but you're right. The pelvic floor is considered a core muscle, not the six pack, not the obliques. It is a core muscle. What I'll have people do is put like a couch pillow between their legs and imagine it's a horse mm-hmm. and then riding a horse. And of course, if you squeeze the horse all the time, that's going to trigger the, some anxiety in the horse, right? You're afraid you're going to fall. Mm-hmm. So power your voice like a dressage rider where you're coming from there, but not over tensing. Man, it's just an art, not a science, isn't it? (laughs) It is a science. It's hard. It's an art. 
It is. It is. And it's how you in tune are you with yeah. your body. So many people, they think they're doing their pelvic floor, but they're getting their adductors or their glutes. And right. It's just, it's hard to find that. But that's, I think the pelvic floor is such a vital core muscle mm-hmm. that people should be aware of and should be using or they're either going to have problems because it's too tense or too weak. Yeah. And, and that causes all kinds of issues. Yeah. I've, I've uh, worked with people that have had problems having enough muscle tone in their lower abs and in their pelvic mm-hmm. floor, never used it at all. So they end up singing from here, which again, then yeah. sabotages breath control. That's where somebody like you can help people get that, that pressure or that tension just right and not too much. That's really good for me to know so that I can watch for people that are using the pelvic floor and see if they're uh, tensing too much. I'm thinking of people that might have endured some kind of sexual abuse extra tight in that area. So there can be a psychological component to it, right? Absolutely. And for those kinds of people, I refer them to a pelvic floor specialist. Ah. Um, There's all kinds of steps that you would have to take. And they're actually trained in working with individuals that way. Uh If someone's not comfortable, then obviously there's other things you can do, but they have a unique approach to working with people who have gone through that. But I am a big believer in emotion is stored in the body. So people who've had any other kind of abuse or trauma or a lot of women, they, you find that hypertonicity in the pelvic floor because of that. Right. And we see that a lot. Well, now I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that are sort of related that uh, mm-hmm. my friend and collaborator, Mark Tress, who is my classical coach, we kind of trade lessons with each other. He asked me to ask you, what about the back muscles and how they relate to singing? Mm-hmm. I believe the back muscles, the upper back, especially they help open your rib cage and give you breath control because the diaphragm is wide. But what other issues do you deal with with the back or what what do you find the back muscles have to do with singing? Absolutely. The back muscles, I encourage a lot of people to work on, you know, the postural muscles. Mm-hmm. If you do dive into Walt Fritz, he is a kind of a naysayer of posture, which is a whole other <laughs> can yeah. of worms. Personally, when it comes to posture, I believe one thing for too long is not good. Yes. And so working in in between, like I even tell some people it's okay to slump, like it's okay to do this, but don't stay there. You know, kind of working back into, because our bodies are built for movement. It likes movement. They need that movement. Yeah. So same thing with the back muscles, working on the postural muscles to help hold us upright. And so that you're not recruiting all these other muscles to do the wrong job. Right. Yeah. So, and mobility is a big thing. You know, you see some of the people that are kind of hunched over working on that mobility in your spine is great because once that happens, once you get that forward posture, the shoulders roll forward, and it's hard to really get that big breath. It's hard for your, your um, diaphragm to contract and relax. And it's hard for those ribs to open up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think we're also focused on core and strengthening the chest, but I always tell people actually, yeah, work, work mm-hmm. the scapular muscles, work your lats, work the erectors. Those mm-hmm. are also important as well. Like rowing exercises and things like that, right? Yeah. 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 
And then uh, I agree with you totally. The voice wants access to movement everywhere, not just the apparatus, but also in the body. And what Mm -hmm. I'm finding is that if your head is kind of balanced over your rear, over the heels instead of the balls of your feet, then you're not going to have military stiff posture. You'll have flexibly tall posture, which is going to keep everything open. And also is kind of a, a psychological stance that makes you feel more confident. And body language can tell your automatic nervous system whether you are confident or not, right? Absolutely. How you hold yourself. Absolutely. So you can help with that. Yeah. And uh, Mark also asked about, and I think this is really important, about people that wear high heels and how that affects the voice. Mm -hmm. I know Stella Parton told me this with the Parton sisters, including Dolly, that they have trouble singing or walking very much without high heels because they've worn high heels so long because they're kind of short that their Achilles heel is, has shortened. So they have to wear heels to make their legs actually feel better. And that, again, if your head's balanced over your heels and you press your heels into the stage instead of the balls of your feet, that affects your rib cage and opens it. But what do you find with wearing any kind of heels, whether it's barefoot or heels, that affects your voice? It goes, you know, it goes back to conditioning. Uh, the part and sisters, it sounds like they were conditioned to perform in heels. And that doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. It takes a while. But for someone who isn't conditioned, it goes back to that. You're contracting all these muscles and your body's having to work really hard to support. Because what happens is you go into heels, you pitch forward and you overcorrect in your back to keep yourself from falling forward. Right. And so it's just kind of this chain mm-hmm. reaction. But if you're wearing heels all the time, your body's adapted to it and it may even be harder without heels. Mm-hmm. I'm not really one to when my performers want to wear a heel or do something kind of different. I'm not one to say no. I'm I'm more one to let's see, let's see how we can make that possible. But let's work around it. Yeah. So maybe it is practicing in heels and mm-hmm. conditioning yourself, or maybe it's finding like a happy medium. But yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good question. I think that like with my dancers in Hamilton, they all have, the, the women had a, a heel mm-hmm. and for them that caused, you know, other orthopedic issues, but it didn't really take away from their singing because they were just used to it. They trained in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I noticed it helps me when I practice in the heels I'm going to be singing in. So, mm-hmm. okay, Gina, I've noticed on your Instagram, which I highly recommend everybody look up. Her Instagram handle is the vocal PT, that's T-H-E-V-O-C-A-L-P-T, right? Right. Okay. You got some wonderful exercises on there. Can you take us through a couple of them? Yeah, thank you. It's something that if you go on, I haven't done anything lately and I'm I'm going to try to get better come <laughs> January. I'm going to get more active. I just, I needed a little break. Stay tuned, January, 2023, I'm going to knock them out. But I understand for a lot of my patients, it's not you know, cheap to come see me all the time. It's not, you know, feasible, it's time, all these things. So I want to provide people with just exercises, like self-treatment techniques that they can do on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, they, if they're on tour and they're having some issues, let me find this video and let me look at this and look at her technique. And I try to, whatever I'm doing here in the clinic, how can we turn that around so that you can do it on you? And obviously it's not going to be as good because I'm giving a passive treatment. And when you're doing it yourself, there are things contracting and it's more of an active treatment, but it's better than anything. So some of my favorites are 
the jaw. So the jaw is a big complaint that mm-hmm. I find that pretty much every singer has. And so I'll, I'll show people you'll see on there. I washed my hands for that one, but you'll see on there taking your finger in through like on the inside of your cheek. I like the nail bed to the teeth and you'll go hook. It's almost like you're hooking it in like that. And you're Uh just going to find that master and work it up and down. And if it's sore, you probably need it. (laughs) And I just kind of hang out there for a little bit and just work it up and down. And then you can slide out to the cheek. The cheek is an area that a lot of us don't think about when it comes to the jaw, but there's so many muscles and tension there. So you're just going to pinch the cheek and find we'll call it crud pocket, Uh, these little areas of just tissue that feel thicker and you'll pinch that tissue and pull and stretch. You can do all different ways, down, out, up. And it's a really great one to release jaw tension. For the upper hyoid, I love taking my thumbs, hooking underneath and just like gliding all the way. This is going to get the tongue muscles. So you have like your mylohyoid, your anterior digastric, all these muscles that they, they help stabilize the hyoid bone, but they also work the tongue. So for some, it may be worse on the left. The right is kind of a good way to kind of see how you're doing too, like mm-hmm. compare left and right, but doing both together. And then, I mean, I have a zillion of them. Now, the root of the tongue is a really common place for vocal problems yeah. uh, when it gets too tense. That's right. And then the squint zone right here. Sometimes I'll use uh, biofeedback, the purpose touch and just touch it and have people relax it and then tense it on purpose and try to say or sing something. And then the difference in the soft palate connected to the squint zone is amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. So I love this and I love doing this for more reasons than one too. It gets the molars kind of realizing, okay, I don't have to be that close together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can kind of drop like that. Yeah. That's yeah, great. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many more, I mean, some for the neck where we'll mm-hmm. work on stretching here. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm hoping to do with that platform is just give people the tools and resources to treat themselves. I will be a regular visitor. Oh, good. <laughs> You mentioned Pilates in your bio. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it about Pilates that you prefer that make you really like that particular protocol of exercise? I love Pilates. I think it's a great way of really showing, it's a good way to humble yourself. <laughs> and it's a great way to show <laughs> you your weaknesses. There's so many movements that require just like perfect form and I was fortunate to work with a really good instructor and she would just even look at my pinky toe and say, you know, move your pinky toe a little bit this way. And it really healed a ankle injury that I had. And I give her hundred percent credit for that. And I just find that for singers, it can be even great because working on like core and, and also like it makes you more in tune with your body. Mm-hmm. You have to find certain muscles to do these movements correctly. And it's so low impact. You will get a workout, you will sweat, but it is just, it's really good on your joints, flexibility. I love it. I, I'm a big endorser of Pilates. Mark Tress worked with Dr. Scott McCoy, not the Star Trek guy, but the mm-hmm. big vocal uh, scientist. And uh, he put Mark on a BOSU ball. When you're really trying really hard, sometimes things get tense and you don't even know they are. So when you press into that BOSU ball, my balance is not all that good on the BOSU ball. So I use my mini tramp 
and press into that the same way. But I can see what you're talking about where uh, the Pilates kind of makes you body conscious, makes you aware of where things might be tense that you might not even know about. So absolutely. Okay, Gina, how can people, first of all, when should people think about booking an appointment with you? What are some issues they might be having? And what about if they're not having any issues and they just want to be in masterful shape for whatever gig or appearance they're about to need to make? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, I would say most people come to me when they're in pain. And so the the damage is done Mm -hmm. and they're frustrated and they've tried so many things. And so I'm very used to that. Ideally, I love prevention and keeping people out of pain, Mm -hmm. but that's not really my job as PT. I don't get those people all the time, but I would say definitely if you're having any neck, head, jaw, any pain, really, I can, I say I work with seniors, but I work with everything. You work with everything, not just the voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say my niche is singers and musicians, but really I work with these people. And once they're out of pain, I do encourage like a maintenance and that looks different for everybody. It may be come in once a month. It may Mm -hmm. be come in once every three months, once a year, whatever it is, like, let's check it out. Like, let's compare, see, I may tweak kind of what you're doing at home a little bit. And usually people come because they need the hands-on treatment. There's some places in the neck, like in the suboccipitals here that it's really hard to get on your own. And those are ones that I really address for seniors, because when you think about it, if you're your suboccipitals are tight, it pitches you forward. Oh, yeah. And that puts mm-hmm. tension on your, your throat, mm-hmm. just like that. Mm-hmm. So anything you do from there on out is causing an unnecessary strain. So we want this balance between the two. So I do encourage that. But I also like I'll see someone who is about to go on tour. And whenever they're home, they come and check in and we work on a few things. If they're pushing an album, yeah, and they're just they're in the studio and tired and fatiguing that's when I'll see them before a show so really anytime but I definitely treat the ones in pain and then I definitely treat for more of a preventative aspect you are part of what I would say a professional village that should surround every person that's using their voice for their career (laughs) yes absolutely you would be part of that team do you ever work with people virtually, like if they're on tour and they run into a problem or see someone, you know, in a different country and just visually check out what's going on and make some suggestions? You know, that's a good question. It's kind of a tricky thing. I can only really work with people in my state because of my license. Gotcha. I'm not really allowed to work with people outside of Tennessee uh-huh if they're a patient and they're another country or they're in another state, then yes. But also if someone just has a few questions, I'm happy to jump on a call and and work with them, but I can't really treat or give, you know, too much guidance because of my license. Gotcha. And that would be someone I would probably refer to you guys. I mean, another thing I want to make clear is I, when it comes to singing, I'm not good with technique. I don't know a fraction of what you guys know. I do the hands-on stuff. Like I work with the muscles and the more the mechanics behind singing and get them to a point where then they're able to utilize what you guys teach 
without having the muscles in the way or the muscles being the issue. So like you said, it's totally a team approach. I do not take place of any vocal coach. Do you work with muscle tension dysphonia, MTD? Yeah, I would say that's probably like some people aren't diagnosed with that when they come to see me, they're just, they can play, but more than likely that's, that's what they have. And I would say that's primarily the number one thing. Yeah. It's really frustrating because they can be fine and then poof, it goes back. I think what you do does remind me of my chiropractor, whereas it's not a once and done Mm -hmm. thing because things want to get back in guard or tense around the muscle that Mm -hmm. had the problem or whatever the issue is. So I'm so glad you're here, not only for me, but for my people. So if anyone is in the state of Tennessee, can get to Nashville. If you need Gina, I highly recommend her. And uh, I've been to her offices. I love the fact that you have this picture in your website of the table where you work on people. And I think the caption is the room where it happens. (laughs) A play on Hamilton. Where can people find you and book a session with you? So a couple ways you can just reach out to me through the vocal PT. I try to check my messages regularly and I can point you in the right direction. On Instagram? Mm-hmm. On Instagram, yep. Or you can reach out to me, Gina, G-E-N-A at stevekravitz.com or just go to stevekravitzphysicaltherapy.com and there's a link to book right through that. Awesome. And I'll leave all that in the podcast notes, guys. All right. Well, thank you so very much for joining me for All Things Vocal. And I look forward to kind of keeping in touch with you and maybe popping in for a visit from time to time. Yeah, thanks, Judy. I'd love to have you. Okay, guys, I do hope you enjoyed learning about Gina Thurston and her unique approach to helping voices. If so, send a link to this episode to a friend that you think could also benefit from it. And your review would be priceless to me to help me keep this kind of information coming to you. See you next time for All Things Vocal, the podcast for voices with messages that matter, like yours.